Hello, welcome. Today we're talking about testicular cancer, and my guest is Dr. Praneeth Vemulapali. He's a board-certified urologist with Montefiore St. Luke's Cornwall. Dr. V, I'm going to call you Dr. V for the purposes of this segment. Tell us a little bit about the prevalence of testicular cancer, and are there many types? Uh, So there are a few different types of testis cancer. Um, Testis cancer occurs approximately about, uh, I'd say about, there's probably 9,600 cases a year in the United States. There's actually about 410 deaths, uh, at least in the last calendar year, from testis cancer here in the United States. Uh, Typically affects um, younger males, uh, typically between the ages of 15 to 38, but it can affect older males at times. Is there a screening tool? There's no discrete uh, screening tool per se, um, but we do recommend that uh, males, particularly younger males, uh, perform serial self-exams in the shower, uh, examining their uh, their own testicles. If they feel any lumps or bumps that are not common, we usually ask them to bring that to the attention of their uh, local doctor, their primary care doctor, and that can help them to notice if there's anything uh, beyond the rate of uh, normal growth and things of that nature. But usually if they feel a lump, uh, an enlargement in either testicle. Uh, sometimes they might notice a feeling of heaviness in the scrotum. Um, other times they can notice a, a dull ache in the lower abdomen or in the groin. Um, pain and discomfort can sometimes occur, but not all that common typically. Dr. V, this may seem a weird question, but as women were taught to do these self-breast exams, and we're also told that sometimes it's pretty cystic and you might feel a lot of lumps and bumps, is that the same for men? Do they have to get to know what their normal testes feel like so that they could recognize a bump, or is it not like that? That's exactly, Mel. You, you, hit, it, you hit the nail on the head, and I, could, I couldn't have said it any better myself. And I think just getting to know what your normal anatomy is like, um, and then that's why just checking yourself periodically in the shower. And then if you can notice that there's anything atypical or anything that's not common, You'd be the first one to know, and you could bring that to somebody's attention. And sometimes you might not exactly know what a, a mass feels like, but if there's a lump that you don't normally notice, I'd bring that to somebody's attention. That's great information. So then how is it diagnosed? Is it something where a biopsy can be done or not really? Well, this, here's the thing where testis cancer is a little bit different. So typically, once uh, someone notices a lump, they might bring it to the attention of their a uh, primary care doctor or pediatrician, if it's a younger male, they might examine them and notice, hey, this is arising from the testicle. And if that occurs, they typically would make a referral to uh, a urologist, and a urologist would examine that patient to notice, is this something that's arising from the testicle as opposed to arising from a different portion uh, of the testis or scrotum, such as the epididymis. And if it is arising from the testis, our first primary uh, modality of diagnosis is doing an ultrasound. Uh, it has no radiation exposure and really gives good detailed pictures of solid lesions that could be arising from the testis. And if that occurs, our next modality is that uh, method of action is that we would examine them with uh, what we call testis cancer tumor markers. And those are blood tests that can sometimes be elevated if there is a, an actual testis cancer present. And if coupled with the radiologic information from the ultrasound, as well as the uh, tumor markers, we might uh, recommend removing the testicle. Um, there's a special way that we handle testis cancer uh, in the sense that we don't go through the scrotal space uh, because that could affect treatment later on. And if there is something concerning, you know, we would uh, surgically remove that testicle and pass it off to the pathologist to know uh, 
what exactly is going on. So you remove the testicle to then find out the pathology. So it's not where a little simple biopsy can be done. Tell us, Dr. V, about fertility, because I think that that is going to be one of men's biggest fears besides impotence. Sure. That's exactly right. So usually if we have a sonographic evidence that there is a a solid mass here, and if those tumor markers are elevated, it's a pretty good indication that there could be a testis cancer there. And if we remove that testicle, it could obviously impact fertility. So typically, uh, we might recommend uh, sperm banking before uh, a procedure like that. But if normally, if a person has a contralateral normal testis, they function normally and fertility is not much of an issue. What about erectile dysfunction? has really no impact as long as you have a normal contralateral testicle. That's great. I'm glad that you, you know, let us know that in this segment. Does this cancer commonly spread? Is it sometimes fatal or not really? Uh, it, it could spread. And certainly, you know, I think if you talk to most urologists, they might, they, they'll reassure you that, you know, the rate of cure for this is is extremely high, uh, greater than 90, 95%. Um, you know, I, I'll let you know that majority of patients that have testis cancer are found at stage one, which means that it's limited to the testicle. And that, that's roughly approximately 70% of patients. And in those patients for stage one disease, it's over a 95% cure. But even still, when it's moved outside of the testicle, it can sometimes go into the lymph nodes in the uh, lower, lower back and move to other places. But it's extremely responsive to chemotherapy and radiation therapy. So even those patients that have had spread of testis cancer still have cure rates well over 90%. Wow, that's really an incredible statistic. So what other treatments might be tried if you've discovered whether it's just limited to one of the testes or if it has spread? What other treatment? Are we looking at radiation or chemotherapy? Do those modalities come into play? Yeah, there are, so testis cancer within the large umbrella of testis cancer, there can be different varieties, and those different varieties necessitate what the treatment options could be. But a lot of times, well, sometimes patients might get radiation therapy, uh, they may get one single dose of chemotherapy, or they could get surgical uh, therapy. And that really depends on what specific type of testis cancer you have. So back when I said that, you know, we if we have a cancer we remove the testis, we pass it off to the pathologist, and the pathologist will look at it under the microscope, and they might have to do special stains to identify what particular variant of testis cancer the patient might have, and then that would impact what their final recommendation is for additional therapy. But um, once you've narrowed it down and you treat it appropriately, the cure rate is really, really very high, and it's, it's something that we can really afford our patients a, a good deal of satisfaction to know that this can be something that they have in their rearview mirror. One of the bigger things, I think, when people hear the words testicular cancer, men specifically, is the psychosocial and emotional aspect of this type of cancer. What do you see, Dr. V, as men deal with this and how they cope with whether they have to have a testy removed? And, you know, what do you tell them? That's another great question, Mel. And so something like that, you know, we really have to focus on the age demographic of the patients. And as I said, most of these patients that get testis cancer are between, say, 15 and 35 years old, uh, years of age, roughly. So in those patients, you know, if they're younger, they remove a testicle, they might have 
certain body image issues concerned with that. So a lot of times if we're removing a testicle, we can sometimes place a testicular prosthesis um, at that time or later on to offset the uh, that those body image uh, concerns that younger males might have. Isn't technology amazing? As we wrap up, Dr. V, what would you like men and their partners that love them to know about testicular cancer and the fact that you've given us such great statistics on outcomes? Give us your best advice for whether it can be prevented or how important early diagnosis and self-exams are. Well, that's another great question. And unfortunately, there's no way to prevent testis cancer, but there are uh, a few um, what we call risk factors for developing testis cancer. And one of the most common is ever having a history of an undescended testicle. So testes normally form in the abdominal cavity uh, during fetal development, and they usually descend into the scrotum before birth. Uh, certain times, uh, babies, when they're born, if they don't have any uh, uh appropriate testicles in the scrotum, they might get evaluated by their pediatrician. And if they need to be, uh, if they are noted to be in the abdomen, they need to be brought down. Those uh, testes normally have a higher rate of developing uh, testis cancer. So I'd specifically uh, encourage those patients to be, you know, uh, to perform serial self-exams. They have a history of that. But testis cancer can occur also in normal patients that have normal testicular uh, maturation and development. But the one thing that I would really, really stress is that just like you said before, that women are really encouraged to do self-breast exams. Men should also be encouraged to do serial uh, scrotal exams, and testicular exams. They can do that you know, with normal showering and get to know their own body so that there is a change. They'll know right away and they can alert somebody right away because this is a very, very treatable disease. What a great segment, Dr. V, and thank you so much for sharing your incredible expertise because I definitely think it's something that not many people want to talk about, but you've really made it sound like something that is so treatable and if it's caught early. So thank you again for that great information. This is Doc Talk, presented by Montefiore St. Luke's Cornwall. For more information, please visit montefiorslc.org. This is Melanie Cole.